welcome to More Than Myths. We'll just have to have a disclaimer that there may be some background noises. Squashing. Yeah, this one we actually brought our mom. Our... Oh, this one we actually brought our mom. Yeah. I love it. It's like, oh, wait, we t- we took it up a notch this week, we, you guys. We upped it. We upped it. Wow, we're like in and we're ready to go. We're ready to go. There's no technical difficulties. Welcome to your life. Fucking Welcome to our life. Welcome to more than myths. Welcome. How yeah. are you? <laughs> I'm good. Excellent. I I don't have work tomorrow. It's a Sunday, and I keep thinking that I'm going to have to work tomorrow, and then I remember that I don't have to work tomorrow. So you know what that means. Time for a martini. Oh, is that what you're drinking? Uh-huh. I love the clinking sound. I could just you, listen to that all day. You betcha. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. I love rattling ice. Oh, Yeah. Yes. So you're on your way to Disneyland. Yeah. I'm on my way to Disneyland. I'm very much back by the time everybody listens to this, but I'm assuming I had a fantastic time. The best time. And can't have all that laundry sound. Ugh, laundry. Will it ever end? Laundry. No? Never. It doesn't. Never. Whose sick idea was laundry? Well, I mean humans because you sweat and you're nasty. Well, we yeah, but not like, have any friends. A never-ending chore. It is a never-ending chore. Just like dishes, just like vacuuming, just like dusting. It's the worst. All of them. They I suck. know. It's terrible. Chores are the worst. Chores are but the worst. What's I, what's your favorite chore? My favorite chore is actually laundry. Son I love I love doing laundry. I love folding up laundry. I love making sure that all of my socks have <gasps> mates. Yeah, I just got socks and they're really cute. I just got new ones and I'm already missing a sock. And I oh no. Yeah. I don't know where it's at. I gotta find it. I just bought I bought some socks at Target and I got farm animal and breakfast foods. That's amazing. And I was just very excited about it. But <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, I hate laundry. Really? <sighs> yeah. What's your what's your most favorite? I'm trying to think. My favorite chore. None. I honestly think <laughs> I honestly think my favorite chore is like tidying the house. Oh, just random things. But yeah, like yeah. putting it back in order. Mm. Because then it's like so satisfying. It's done. Mm. Everything's like I can look at it. I see like you put clean laundry away and it's done. Like it's put away. You can't right. see your work. No. I like to see my work. Oh, so I see. Tidying the house is my favorite chore. Gotcha. Gotcha. I actually came home and Chris had like tidied our house. I went on a girl date today. And so I know making friends. Oh my Uh, God. (laughs) I helped her buy over a hundred dollars worth of books. (laughs) I was just giving her her or did did. you? I was giving her suggestions. No, I was giving her, I was giving her suggestions and I was just handing her books and I was like, you might like this one. You might like this one. I don't know. And she's like, okay, I got to pare it down. She's like, so you know, she went oh my through, gosh. and I think she put away maybe four or five books. And she like, still she, spent a hundred dollars. She got a lot of books, and she got some really pretty ones. So I okay. was really excited for her. Okay, yeah. I sent you a TikTok today on your TikTok account that was like, "Tell me, 
tell me how many books are in your library that you haven't read. And it's just oh no endless back to back of different like book talk accounts being like, How dare you ask ask me that? <laughs> how dare you? And it's just it's like 20 of them who just continuously yeah. say, like, you don't ask a woman her age. No. You don't ask that question either. You know, you it's don't just, ask the library builder how many books they haven't read. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, it, it made me bad manners. Full on laugh. I was having a good time with it. But I also <laughs> came home to chores being done today. So our <gasps> garage excellent has been so I work out in the garage. That's where our gym is. And so our garage since Christmas, so over a month, has yeah. been just an explosion of boxes from our kids moving and mm. you know leftover boxes we also they didn't pick up trash for like a week and a half after christmas because we had snow and they couldn't get down our road and so it was just like it was just build up and then it just got worse each week because we couldn't put all of our recycling out oh so today i was just like hey i mentioned it in passing and i was just like hey if you get time could you maybe just you know, spend an hour on the garage and see if you can get some of those boxes broken or whatever. So I get home from getting my nails done and I, I come home to the most beautiful garage I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, compared to what it was at, it was, it yeah, was it was so very tidy. Beautiful. And so I was like, oh, oh, you really know how to speak my love language. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was, I love it. That's it very was sweet. Like, it's very yeah. nice. It's a very kind gesture. He did. He, I'm assuming that it was Josh and the kids. Yeah. It was just Josh. Oh, I don't think well, he still. All right. So Chris did but, the same thing. Like, actually, he, but he didn't Logan, have to do it. But yeah, it was Logan finally unpacked sweet. all of his boxes. So it was like he had to do some chores too. But yeah. it was, it was just so nice to come home to a clean garage and it was yeah. like so happy. And oh, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. Just, it was just a pre birthday surprise. Yeah. I love it. It's your turn to go first. This is our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. Did you pick it's something up. lovey? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Maybe I did. Maybe, Maybe I you did, did something lovey. Maybe, Maybe I I'm going to be surprised. Maybe I'm going to be shocked at what you came up with. You're not going to be shocked. Like I'm going to be shocked. I'm going to just pull you down off that cliff really quick. Oh, hell. You're like, oh. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> no, Haley, don't get that excited. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no, I can't. Like, after last week's Ghost Town, I was like, okay, this week we're going to do something Greek. No way. Shocking. Shocking. No. Okay. So I was doing some research and I was like, what am I going to talk about for you know, Valentine's Day and it's like some people like it, some people don't like it. Josh and I don't celebrate it. Like we have so many other things that we celebrate us being in love that we don't really need another holiday for it. So we've never really done anything with it. But I decided today to tell you. Oh, wait, hold on. I have a script. (laughs) You what? I have a script. (laughs) Oh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Let me set the scene of one of the greatest tragic love stories, not only in Greek mythology, but probably the whole world. Oh, man. Maybe not, but you know. (laughs) You just ruined it. God damn it. (laughs) It's the greatest love story in the world. Tragic. 
Oh, sorry. Tragic. Tragic love story. Sorry. Um, let me give you Valentine's Day tale of sadness, loss, music, and a mistake that would be regretted for a lifetime. Oh, no. I give you Orpheus and Eurydice. It's so sad. Oh, good okay. luck. You, yeah. How, um, how many are you? De- how many drinks are you? You're just one, yeah? Just one so far. Oh, good. All but right. no, when I was doing the research, it's it was just like, no. I know. So if you've never heard Orpheus and Eurydice, buckle up your pants. <laughs> buckle up your pants. <laughs> Buckle them up. <laughs> Get ready for this one. Hold on. Sip. I I think that instead of <laughs> instead of hold on to your butts, we're just gonna say button up your pants. <laughs> well, I was trying to say like buckle your seatbelts and button your pants, and then I mixed the two. <laughs> so there's that. Everybody. Buckle up your pants, everybody. We're getting ready. Okay. So, and Haley, I have so many notes on this. I'm going to send them to you afterwards so you can see how long they are. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, I'm um, ready. Okay, so who is Orpheus? Um, His parentage is debated, but it's everybody seems to agree that his mother is Calliope, the muse of poetry. And either the king of Thrace, who is immortal, or Apollo, the god of the sun and music, right? So either way, it's like kind of this love triangle, no matter what. It's either Calliope and Apollo or Calliope and the King of Thrace. And then Apollo is plays a part in the story or the King of Thrace plays a part in the story. So they're all involved. Okay. Either way, no matter how it happens, Orpheus is born into this world. Uh, so Orpheus is said to be the, one of the most beautiful musicians ever heard in his age. And he's even said to have beaten the sirens in music. To save a crew. So Mm -hmm. they were trying to take down this crew and Orpheus was on that boat and he played. He like outplayed their their song. So this mortal man has a gift. Okay. Um, And he's most known for like playing the lyre and singing. Um, And the lyre is said to be. Like a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially (laughs) a stringed tortoise shell. Oh, okay. But. An early version of a guitar, I believe. Okay. Um, and the lyre said to be given to him by Apollo. So either like his dad or this god who was like, wow, you're beautiful and your music is beautiful. And I'm the god of music and poetry and have this gift. So either way, this lyre is given to him from Apollo. So either his father or the god just noticing his beautiful gotcha. music. Okay. So his music was so beautiful that it made him charm wild animals, humans, and gods alike. Anybody who heard it would, would just Whoa. overtaken or, you know, made happy mm-hmm. by his his melodies. So one day while laying happily in a green forest and playing his lyre, he noticed wood notes running and dancing through the forest in the distance. And But then he noticed this one slow motion in particular. Slow motion. Who caught his eye? Gorgeous wood nymph dancing through the trees. Beautiful. Eurydice. Um, so likewise, Eurydice on the other side of this is dancing through the forest with her fellow wood nymphs and hears the sweet music. 
that she's seeking out. She's trying to find where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And she is searching for him. And so kind of when they both see each other, everything oh. comes together. They were looking for each like, other almost. The clouds you know? part and sun shines yeah. down on them and there's butterflies in the air. And it's yeah, just the magic. angels are singing and yeah, Orpheus is singing and Eurydice is <laughs> moved to tears. Singing. It's a thing. Like the, the most beautiful. genuine lo instant love, love at first sight oh. that you could ever behold. Right. That's really sweet. <laughs> so once they locked eyes and met each other's gaze, their love was instant. Deciding shortly after that they loved one another, they decided to be married because that's just what you did. That's just, just what you do. You're like, nope, that's it. We we love each other. It's time to get this shit legal, I guess. Yeah. Right? On right. paper. Sure. So during the cer ceremony, um, Hymenus, Hymenus um, who is the god of marriage, would preside over the ceremony and like bless them and say, yes, okay, great. And I heard one version where he absolutely just wouldn't bless their marriage. Oh. He's like, oh, no, your love is tragic. It's not good. I can't like I can't bless oh. this marriage. There, I don't see anything good for you guys. And then I saw I also heard another version that was like he had a flame and the flame, depending on how bright it burned, would be an indication of like how strong and how wonderful your love was going to be over time. Right. Oh, so during their ceremony, the flame flickered. <gasps> oh, no. And he was like, I'll still marry you, but I won't bless this marriage. And so oh, no. Orpheus and Eurydice are taken aback by this sure. warning and they look at each other and there's no way that they can move forward without one another. And so they decided that no matter what life throws at them, they'll be together and they'll figure it out. So mm -hmm. they're like, we're in love. There's nothing coming between us. Let's go forward with it anyways. So a short time passed. They're not married very long. Um, and one day while they're lying in the forest together under the great tree where they met, I don't know if that's true, but I wanted to add it for dramatic effect. It sounds excellent. <laughs> While Orpheus played his liar, uh, Eurydice knew that her forest nymph friends were going to come through and he and she was going to go join them for their daily romp and, you know, dancing through the forest and lovely, you know, without a care, no Day. jobs. <laughs> they just get a lay under trees and dance through the forest all day. So fine. Sounds magical. Whatever. <laughs> Have you seen that thing where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want a girl boss. I want to lay in the moss naked with my lover, read books and just live my life. I was like, God, yes, please. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> that. Have you? I don't, I don't want a girl boss. <laughs> so while she's running through the forest and she's making kind of her way far away from Orpheus at this point, but he, they do this every day. They don't have jobs. They don't have anything. They don't have responsibilities. They just They're dancing, hang out in the forest. And she runs with the nymphs, everything. <laughs> so she is far further away and she hears someone and the other nymphs hear him too. And so they oh, all oh. kind of scatter and disappear. Mm -hmm. And she's left alone in the middle of this forest and she's too far from anybody to say call for help. Mm -hmm. And it's a mortal man and it's he's a shepherd. And so he confronts her because he knows who she is and he's like, I am claiming you. I'm going to take you. 
and like kind of insinuates that he, she has no choice in this matter and like he's going to just have her for himself. So at this point, she starts running. She knows these woods. She's grown up here. She knows how to get away. She's like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to move fast. He's a man, but I'm fast. I'm faster mm-hmm. than him and I know this the, my way around. So okay. she books it. She knows where she's going. She's like, no, I have to just get distance and I need to get across the stream. So she's running and weaves and bobs and just think like, fucking agile forest nib, doo, 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 yeah. doo, you know and she jumps across the stream which she knew he would have to swim so she's oh, like yeah. this is gonna be i'm gonna be able to get away from him and it'll slow him down enough that he'll probably just turn around and sure enough he does and so she gets away from him with no problem but she doesn't notice that she's in a part of the forest that she's not been in before oh wow. and she is standing there and she looks down and a snake snaps and bites her on the ankle and she's laying there knowing what's happening no and lays down so a bit later the sun's starting to set and orpheus knew that eurydice should be back this is their routine he knows when she should be home she knows he knows it's too late and so he knows there's something wrong so he decides to go looking for her um after a while he finally found her cold (gasps) And lifeless, laying in the clearing. And he noticed the two bumps on her ankles. So he knows exactly what happened and knows that there was nothing to be done differently. And he holds her. He's devastated. And he begins singing his truly like crushing lament of his broken heart. (sighs) So sad. sad. So his songs continued. Everywhere he went after, you know, after the death of Eurydice, it yeah. followed him. He had nothing. I mean, he sang every day anyway. Yeah. And now the only thing he sang of was his devastation. Broken heart. Yeah. Sad. But his song was so, like, truly sorrowful and moving and beautiful mm-hmm. that it caught the attention of everyone. He couldn't walk down the road without people stopping to hear it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was like, oh, that's sad. You know, it was like, whoa, <laughs> what happened to that guy? You know? Um, and so Apollo, again, he's already has the ears of the gods anyways, but this mm-hmm. this brought Apollo to him. And he was like, so maybe dad, maybe the god who's kind of been coaching him along mm-hmm. is god. Father. Oh, <laughs> so i read two (laughs) versions where apollo was so moved he came to help orpheus um and then i also read like where he where orpheus was so overcome with grief he went to his father to ask for help oh either way he gets help from apollo so um he said that he would be able to cross the river sticks twice so he's like Son, venture down to Hades. I will make sure that you are able to cross the river Styx once, mm-hmm. but also make the impossible crossing of crossing back over, mm-hmm. which no mortal has ever done because mm-hmm. death is final. Mm-hmm. So he's like, ask Hades what you can do, and I'll make sure that you're able to return to the land of the living after you have that conversation. 
so Orpheus, again, is a musician. He's not a fighter. He doesn't right. have weapons. He doesn't have training in that anything like that. But he's going through one of the most treacherous places in all of the realms of the world, right? Yeah. And so he brings his lyre with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, play to your strengths. <laughs> I mean, bring what you got with you. Right. So he made his way to the gates of Hades um, and he knew the journey would be difficult. You've got the river Styx, which is, I forgot the name of the ferryman, but is like guarded by the ferryman of that, you know, whatever. Yeah. You've got Cerberus, who we've talked about. Three-headed giant demon dog. Oh my gosh, with scary snake tails. Yeah. Um, the dead roam there freely, you know, like everywhere you went is a soul. And they Ugh. can touch you. Yeah. Ugh. And then you have the king and queen of the underworld themselves, Hades and Persephone. So Orpheus makes his way through Hades and he plays his lament the entire way. And oh. as he does this, each thing that could stop him mm -hmm. steps aside. Oh. This is how upsetting the song is. Every Like, people in the underworld are moved. Yeah. They're just like, wow. Whoa. This guy's Whoa. having a bad week. A bad time, for sure. He gets to the ferry. And the ferryman's like, what are you doing here? You're alive? He's like, I need... You know, and he just played his song, essentially. He didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. And the ferryman's like, oh, okay. Come on. Makes sense. Brings him across the river, which isn't the hard part. It's like, you can go into the land of the dead, but yeah. leaving the land of the dead is tricky. Yeah. So he gained passage and was able to present himself to the king and queen of the underworld. He told him his, he told them his story, a story of love taken too soon and a love that was so special. And so Hades is not known for making exceptions or challenging the fates. So yeah. it, he's not the one to decide who comes to him. He's right. just the ruler of the dead. And so he's like, you know, my favorite way this was done was I listened to the mythology podcast again. And they were like, what makes you different from a mother losing their child yeah. or a wife losing someone in war, you mm -hmm. know? And he's like, how how are you any different right yeah, right like, i'm sorry i've seen tragedy so yeah. more than you could even comprehend hit me with your best shot you yeah. know he's like i don't believe you yeah <laughs> right so hades is like you know tell me why and so he asked what orpheus's loss was or sorry he asked what made orpheus's loss any different than anybody else's and so mm -hmm. at this point orpheus just asked to sing he's like can i sing for you let mm -hmm. me play my song um so he sung his song the most beautifully and it was so dev devastating that persephone was in tears she's oh. distraught and yeah she's kind of like when she's the queen of the underworld she's kind of like yeah. hard she's and tough. she knows what to deal with right yeah. uh -huh. and so she's in in tears um cerberus laid down with his little, you, could you imagine his little head? Oh my of gosh. His on his all of his little paws. ears kind of like. Yeah, oh. drooping and sad. Everybody's just depressed. And all of them whining. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All three of them are just like, <laughs> yeah, distraught. Distraught. Um, so once Orpheus finishes, finishes, he waits. And Hades' cold heart was reminded of his own love. 
So he like was put into the shoes and couldn't and like felt his loss. Right. So once he finished, he was like, you can take Eurydice with you and she will be right behind you the entire way. But you have to be patient. And your one condition is to fight patience the entire way. Mm -hmm. And you cannot look back at Eurydice until you return to the mortal world. Man. Orpheus is dumbfounded. He doesn't understand. He's like, I can't believe this is happening. He didn't really think anything think it would, would work. He was yeah. willing to sacrifice his life and sure. just join her there. So the mm-hmm. fact that he has any chance is mind-blowing. He's like, yes, I promise. I won't, look, I won't look behind me. We mm-hmm. will go quietly, like just anything I can possibly do. Mm-hmm. So he agrees to Hades' terms, and he's led out by the dead. So everybody, like all the dead souls, separate, and Cerberus wow. allows him to cross. And mm-hmm. he makes his way to the river Styx, and he and he's told that Eurydice is behind him. Mm-hmm. Literally, no other indication. He hasn't seen her. He hasn't smelt her. He hasn't touched her. There's nothing else. Is just believing Hades that she's behind him. Yes. Wow. So he makes his way across the river Styx back to the other side and starts making his climb up to the gates of Hades. And so at first he was just so overcome with joy mm-hmm. and with each step and and the journey takes a long time. So it's not just like a path, right? right. It's a journey. And so mm-hmm. with every step, he starts getting closer and closer to the exit. The doubt sets in. Oh no. He has no reason to believe Hades. Right. He has no reason to think that this would be granted. And he listens. He doesn't play his music at all the whole way back. Mm-hmm. He hasn't heard a, a rock. He hasn't heard a shift. He hasn't heard a single sound. And so they're nearing, or he's nearing the entrance, and he begins to see light ahead. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, we're almost there. Like, I can do this. It's fine. And then as he gets closer, he realizes, he's like, what if he tricked me? What if I made this journey and I used Apollo's gift and I left her down there? And so as he got to the gates, he turned. And there she was. As beautiful as ever, but only a shadow. (laughs) Her eyes hurt and sad, but also forgiving. And then as quick as she was there, she faded back into the darkness of Hades. That's so sad. He just, he was so close. He was so close. And then Orpheus, unable to process the loss of losing her again. Twice. Followed the darkness, but was not allowed to move through Hades anymore and was shut out back into the mortal world. Oh, my gosh. That's so sad. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) (sighs) Like, So that's the tragedy. But I'll give you a little bit more. So he eventually was killed by the women of Thrace. Oh, what did he do? Some say it was like a jealousy thing. Like he was, he wouldn't fall in love with anybody else. But he was very, he was an eligible bachelor. 
They and all so wanted that's one of the story. Interesting. That, like, they murdered him because they were scorned. Sheesh. Um, but then it said that the muses kept his head and lyre to play Ew. music all time for the gods. For all he, time. Ooh. Oh, so he would like sing and his lyre would just play? Yeah. Well, yeah. Weird. Nasty. But his soul was at last free to join Eurydice in death. Oh. And that's Orpheus and Eurydice for you. Your tragic Valentine story. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Wow. If he wouldn't go to Hades for you, does he love you? <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, Valentine. Hey, I do have some lyrics I want to share really fast. My favorite artist of all time is Hozier. Haley knows this. She's sick of hearing about it, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'm um, not. I just appreciate giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, but one of my favorite songs of his is called Talk, and it's the first like phrase or s- verses. Mm. I don't remember what it's technically called in the music jargon, but um, a stanza? Yeah, something like that. But his lyrics said, I'd be the voice that urged Orpheus when her body was found. I'd be the choiceless hope in grief that drove him underground. I'd be the dreadful need and the devotee that made him turn around. And I'd be the immediate forgiveness in Eurydice. Imagine being loved by me. And it's like, it's just like the most extreme of all of that story. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So that's like my, one of my favorite songs of his. But there's my little callback to our tragedy of Orpheus and Eurydice. Wow. Yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> I one owed of the, you. This is one of the most sad. I know you were trying to make me cry. Well, I just owed you for making me cry last week. I didn't make like, you cry last week. This I'm is, coming. It's war. I'm it's coming. On. Guns drawn. <laughs> it's on. I'm going to tell you the saddest story I know. Yeah. But if yeah, was, no, I want to clarify, like, I haven't heard, I mean, this is one of the saddest stories for me, but I've never heard all of the tragic love stories. So I'm sure there's mm. ones more tragic. This is just one. I don't know. That one's pretty really sad. Tragic. It's just that like, pretty. he gets so fucking close. He gets so fucking close. He gets a second chance that he would yeah. never get. I also, listen, I um, read a version where he makes his way back to the River Sticks and the River Sticks uh, ferryman like, was nope. like, no, nope. you're not dead. Yeah. You don't get to come back here. Mm-mm. You know? Yeah, isn't doesn't the Stephen Fry one? Doesn't he like say that he starts running and he gets so far ahead of her that he turns around because he's outside and she's still inside <sighs> and she doesn't make it Uh-oh. out and he she like gets pulled backwards and he's trying to reach out to her and he can't reach her in time because she doesn't come out because she doesn't they come both out. Both needed and to be he outside. can't go back in. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, I his got me to his couple, mate. Yeah. Whew. I saw it a it's couple of ways where it's like they're right there. They're in the doorway. They're, mm-hmm. He's outside the doorway. She's not outside the doorway. Inside, you know, yeah. But it, it, all of it is the same thing. They're so close to being done. Yeah, they're so cool. close to getting this chance that nobody gets. Right? Oh. So Crushing. Yeah. But yeah, I did mention in our Hades and Persephone episode, Persephone is the reason that Hades mm. gives Orpheus mm-hmm. a shot. You know, that their love is what mm-hmm. put a little flicker. Yeah, of I just that, imagine like, kindness. Yeah, I just imagine them like sitting on their thrones and Hades like reaching out to her and like holding her hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh. 
we're we're immortal i never have to lose you no never have to lose you yeah so So i didn't do i just want to make sure everybody was like really depressed for valentine's (laughs) well good job i think you did it there you go yeah you don't meet orpheus's standards of love oh what are you (laughs) what are you even doing (laughs) what are you are you even valentine's Are you even Valentine's? Jesus. Um, Haley. What? Sorry, what? I'm just excited to hear what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You scared me. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) I'm awake. Uh, have you ever used a Ouija board? Yes. I have. I'm going to talk about Ouija boards today. Mm. Yeah. I really, we don't, we give each other like Valentine's Day cards, so we don't really, I think that Valentine's is kind of silly. Like I tell Christopher, I don't need a day to tell my husband that I absolutely adore him. Like. I don't need a day. No. I tell him every yeah. single day, multiple times. And if day. you like, do like I'm pretty sure that I tell go him. for it. But yeah, if you do, that's awesome for nah. us in this house. We don't. I tell him like a hundred times a day how much yeah. I think he's just the fucking bee's knees. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Ouija boards because I wasn't going to do anything Valentine's. <laughs> hey, it's kind of a heart shape. It is actually a heart shape. So there's our tie-in. There you go. Heart shape. Spooky, spooky, valen- spooky Valentine. Spooky Valentine. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. So I'm just going to talk about their history, kind okay. of where they came from. Um, I did try to find like Not some scary Hasbro? stories. Well, you're going to find out. Uh, oh. I tried to find a couple stories. And I couldn't really find anything that was spooky. So if anybody, any curious friends has any experiences, or if you... If you're, do you want to tell us your experience? If you're comfortable, yeah, it's there. Okay, no. all right, all right. Yeah. So I'll tell you, and then you can tell us at the end because I, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything. That's um, crazy. I feel like everybody has a bad experience with a Ouija board. Yeah, but there wasn't anything that was like scary. Somebody, you know, it was all like, oh, it wrote out like mom, or it wrote out. Oh. No, I see. I know. have residual shit from it Ooh. like yeah that was that was my experience so Ooh. all right so i found an article from the smithsonian magazine that came mm-hmm. out in 2013 by Alinda rodriguez mcrobbie and that okay. was actually my main kind of source uh, so ouija boards have been called spirit boards witch boards talking boards um it's just a flat usually rectangular shaped piece of wood or like cardboard um, with the letters of the alphabet in two rows and a slightly crescent shape. The words yes, no, numbers one through 10, hello and goodbye, and a few combinations of symbols and images depending on probably the artist or who makes it, kind Mm -hmm. of depending on what they want to add to the board. Okay. It it uses a planchette, which is usually heart-shaped, and it will spell out messages during the spirit board session. Um... It does seem like a lot of religions don't condone using spirit boards, um, stating that it can lead to demonic possession, 
uh, or that it opens up a gateway to let evil spirits or not spirits that are not of this realm through. Interesting. Okay. Um, but there are also groups of people that say kind of the opposite, that it's actually a really good tool for positive transformation, that you can actually reach people perhaps or, you know, get guidance right. for things that, you know, you ask a question and the board will kind of give you guidance. Right. Um, but there's also people on that same side um, that kind of say that inexperienced users shouldn't mess with that. And if you do, you should be with somebody that is knowledgeable Knows. Mm-hmm, yeah. kind of what they're doing and is maybe yeah just a little bit more knowledgeable than you are yeah so where kind of did it come from um it the first kind of mentions of automatic writing uh was found in china in 1100 ad in some historical document documents of the song dynasty um and it was called I believe it's pronounced as Fuji okay. or planchette writing. Okay. Uh, so around the 1800s, you know, spiritualism in Europe had been going for a really long time, but in America, it really started to get a foothold. Yeah. And um, there was a couple of, well, it was a three sisters named the Fox sisters that kind of, um, they made this appearance and I'm sure that someday one of us will do an episode on them because they're okay. fascinating. Their story is just fascinating, but one they of us, were Haley, <laughs> but they were three <laughs> sisters from upstate New York who claimed that they would receive messages from spirits and they would, ha- they would ask a question and they would hear tapping on the wall. And I mean, you can imagine, you know, like how old are you? And somebody taps out 33 times. It's going to take forever. It's very boring. You know, or if your name is William, you have to get all the way to W in the alphabet. Like that's going to take 500 years. You're going to be there for an hour just spelling that William. Yeah. So having these seances was a really common, acceptable, considered wholesome activity that, you know, contacting spirits during a seance on a Saturday night and then getting up in the morning and going to church. Yeah. Was perfectly normal. It was an acceptable, you know, it wasn't weird. It wasn't. Seance Saturdays. Yeah. It wasn't like satanic or demonic or. um, So they would actually have automatic writing or table turning parties and guests would place their hands on the table and it would shake. And they're all saying like, oh, I'm not moving it. I'm not moving it. But somebody, something unseen or some something or someone was moving the table right so you know in the 1800s they didn't have the average lifespan was like 50 right around that age i'd say Mm -hmm. um we didn't have a lot of the same medical advances that we were having so women would it was probably a lot more common for women to die in childbirth um kids would get sick and die um you know family members would go to war and they wouldn't come back yeah so it was very a lot of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. It was very yeah. very popular to try to bring comfort to these people that had lost loved ones to communicate with them to you know find out hey are you okay are yeah. you actually dead like have you just not made it home to me yet so this would actually bring a lot of comfort to these people yeah fun fact Mary Todd Lincoln actually held a seance on the White House after <gasps> their eleven year old son passed away um, in eighteen sixty two. Um, 
And during the Civil War, spiritualism really gained a lot of traction because, like I said, husbands, brothers, you know, yeah, fathers, people went missing. Men in these yeah. women's lives would leave and they wouldn't come home. Oh. Um, so, like I said, you know, knocking on wood, however many times to spell it, somebody's name is going to take a really long time. So, in mm-hmm. 1866, there was the Associated Press was really young at this time, the, the newspaper, and they had reported on a phenomenon taking over these spiritualist camps in Ohio that it was called the Talking Board. And it's just, it was essentially kind of the same deal. That is what mm-hmm. it looks now. It had the alphabet numbers and a planchette. So the Canard Novelty Company was created to capitalize on this talking board. Of course. Of course. In 1890, Charles Canard of Baltimore, along with four other investors, started this Canard Novelty Company Ooh. with the sole intention of exclusively making and marketing this new talking board. But it didn't have a name yet. Okay. So there's a lot of thoughts that the name Ouija comes from the French and German words for yes, but that's not correct. Okay. Uh, One of the investors, Elijah Bond, his sister-in-law, Helen Peters, Bond said that she was a really strong medium, actually supplied the name. So they create this board and one night they're sitting around it and they ask the board, what should we call you? And the name Ouija comes through and they're like, Ouija, what does that even mean? Yeah, and the like, board replies. The board responds to their question again, and it okay. spells out "good luck." <gasps> yeah. Now, with that being said, Helen okay. Peters acknowledges that she was wearing a locket with a picture of a woman in it, and the woman had the word "Ouida," O U I D A, Ouida, which the D may have been confused for a J. Yeah. So they took that, like somebody was kind of maybe moving the planchette around. Yeah. Um, like, oh yeah. Uh, that what's the word I'm looking right for? Yeah, getting some. What's the word? Influences from things that you're looking at around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. deal. Yep. Okay. Uh so they needed to get a patent to be able to sell it. Yeah. And they knew that if they couldn't prove that the board wouldn't work, they wouldn't get their patent and they wouldn't be able to make any money. So Bond, Elijah Bond, brought his sister-in-law, Helen, to the patent office in Washington with him when he filled out his application. The chief patent officer demands, he's like, you have to show me that it works or I'm not going to give you your patent. <laughs> so if the board could accurately spell out his name, which he didn't think either Bond or Peters knew what his name was, he'd allow the patent to get approved so they all sit down and they open their ceremony and they're communing with the spirits and the planchette spells out this guy's name and he it shakes him he's like what the hell is going on yeah so he february 10th 1891 he awards bond a patent for this new board game this new toy or game is what it was. It wasn't a board game. It was a toy or a game. So it doesn't, the patent doesn't explain how the game works. It just states 131 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just one. This one. (laughs) This month. Oh, yeah. 131 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
I was like, Ooh, oh, that's oh, close. That's kind of spooky. Um, I didn't even put that together. Anyway. You didn't plan uh, that? No. I didn't, actually. Interesting. <laughs> A little bit spooky. Um, <laughs> so the first patent doesn't explain how it works. It just states that the board does work. Okay. Uh, so they don't care how people it works. interpret it. It works. And the more mystery that the board is kind of like shrouded in, the yeah. better. Because, you know, they want to make money. Yeah. And they do. They make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. So in February of 1891, after they get their patent, the first advertisements start showing up in papers describing this magical device that answers questions about the past and the present um, and the future with marvelous mm -hmm. accuracy and promises never failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. It's a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial. Oh, so another advertising. good advertising. Right yeah, they there. did a good job <laughs> um, in a New York paper. It was declared as interesting and mysterious and testified as proven at the patent office before it was allowed. Price a dollar and 50 cents. <laughs> oh, OK. Very, very pricey. So two years later, in 1891, the Canard Novelty, Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore two in New York, two in Chicago, and Whoa. one in London. They had that much growth in two years. Wow. Well, I mean, say on Saturdays have to be outfitted. Say on Saturdays got to be outfitted. They have to have this new fancy talking board to yeah. be able to commune with the spirits. The spirits. Yep. But in 1893, Canard and Bond got out of the company. It was too much stuff was happening inside internal conflicts and they were out so at this time one of the guys that had actually come in kind of on the ground floor as an employee and a stockholder his name was william fold and he <laughs> was running the company now there is some kind of misconception that he was kind of the inventor his obituary in the new york times stated that he was the inventor he never ever claimed that he was the inventor of this board um, okay. but he died in 1927 and he was up on the roof of one of these new factories that they had built supervising mm -hmm. the erection of a flagpole the metal support that he was on failed he fell from the roof <gasps> but he did manage to grab a windowsill of an open window but the door slammed sh or the window slammed shut and he fell to the the pavement breaking several ribs his Ooh. injuries were bad enough that an ambulance came to take him to the hospital. But mm -hmm. on the way, they hit a bump, a bump too hard. And one of his broken ribs pierced his heart and he died instantly. <gasps> like a complete freak accident. It's crazy. Whoa. Um, I but, definitely was waiting for you to be like, and a planchette was waiting at the window and pushed him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was up there because he asked the Ouija board and the Ouija board told him, like, erect a flagpole. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So in 1898, uh, with the blessing of Colonel Bowie, Bowie? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Bowie. Let's say Colonel Bowie. I like The majority better. shareholder uh, and one of the only two original investors, he licensed the exclusive rights to make the board. So there's public squabbling over who invented the board. Um in 1919, Bowie sold the remaining business interest of the company to Fold for a dollar. <laughs> One whole dollar. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, and this was, there... in, this was in 1919. 
Okay, so is this fold- like a thing? Like people are kind of just dropping out unexplained? Or um, like I think that it was kind of they started bickering over who really invented it and who kind of should get more of the royalties. I think it was kind of a money. It sounds to me like it was more of a money thing. They also had, I mean, there were rival companies that were making boards at the same time. Right. And they weren't really like taking off, but it was a lot of competition. It was a lot of money squabbles, kind of that kind of deal. Got it. Um, And so a lot of spiritual mediums didn't really like Ouija boards because, you know, they were the middleman. They would have these seances and people would come and they would be the medium like that, that yeah. conduit for the spirits to talk through. So that was really people. Didn't they, need didn't, mediums. they didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. So in the 1910, 10s and 20s, um, the devastation of World War One, the jazz age, Ouija board popularity just grew and grew and grew. Um it kind of in 1916, Mrs. Pearl Curran made headlines that she claimed that she was writing poems and stories that was dictated via Ouija board by the spirit of a 17th century English woman named Patience, Patience Worth. Um, there was another lady that said that Mark Twain was telling her to write books. Wow. Yeah. Um, In 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman was sent to a psychiatric hospital, and she tried to explain to the doctors that she wasn't suffering from, from like, a manic episode, but that the Ouija board had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Um, in 1967, uh, the year after the Parker brothers bought the game from the fold company, mm-hmm. 2 million boards were sold. It outsold monopoly. Um, but that year was the same year that there were more American troops in Vietnam. Um, the oh, okay. summer of love in San Francisco, yeah. uh, race riots, yeah. that kind of stuff was happening. A whole shift. Um, oh yeah. A whole shift. And it shifts again in 1973. The Exorcist came out in theaters oh, and scared boy. the fucking shit out of everybody. Yeah. Like, you've got this little girl, Reagan, 12 years old, that plays with the yeah. Ouija board. And afterwards, she becomes possessed by a devil. Her head spins around. She's vomiting. Yeah. Pea soup. <laughs> yeah. So it changed. I mean, it terrified people so bad that they would never, ever view the Ouija board the same ever again. That's crazy Mm -hmm. like it hasn't always had this negative connotation no and one movie and it was linda blair Mm -hmm. who did it yep yeah so there's a guy this historian his name's robert merch um he said that it's kind of like psycho no one was afraid of showers until that scene it's a really clear line interesting Um, i'm sure mm -hmm. scared of showers and i didn't see that movie but maybe it's because i've i know it like i know yeah. what scene it is but right. have you ever been washing your makeup and you're like please god nobody walking yeah walk right in. yeah you like look because yeah. you can't open your eyes yeah you don't know yeah. if somebody's you behind soap you. Them. exactly yeah yep so there's it's funny because he makes an example that 1951 there's an episode of in i love lucy that lucy and ethel like host the seance and it's kind of like this hokey funny thing and yeah. then the exorcist, the exorcist 
did a complete 180 and changes like, the whole it became, vibe overnight. It becomes a tool of the devil. Um, it becomes a tool for horror writers and movie makers that it's just this scary thing because it's opening up this door to yeah. hell and kids are becoming possessed and then like co-eds are getting ripped apart and you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Pretty crazy. Yep. Um, let's see. So Hasbro acquired Parker Brothers in 1991, and they are still selling hundreds of thousands of these boards. Um, but the real question that everybody wants to know is how does it actually work, right? Yeah. So it's not powered by spirits. It's not powered by demons. It's <gasps> really, right, it's really disappointing that you want it to be this. Is there is there mechanics to it? There is a mechanic, there's mechanic, well, our own mechanics to it. There is a principle known as the idio, idiometer effect, which is a psychological phenomenon where the subject actually makes motions unconsciously. <gasps> so in 1852, a physician and physiologist, William Benjamin Carpenter, published a report that kind of explains these he examines these automatic muscular movements that your body does without you re even realizing that you're doing it it's like think of your this story you just told it's very sad you might cry it's out of your control you're not realizing mm -hmm. that you're crying it's that kind of a thing it's against your will it's like and it's against that your conscious will you're not choosing individual. it you're it's not choosing feeling. it it's, it's a like, feeling yeah. and you don't realize that you're doing it right <gasps> okay yeah yep so um let's see in 1853 a chemist michael faraday intrigued by table turning he conducted a series of experiments that proved to him that the table's motions was due to this phenomenon motion of the participants so you're shaking this table but you don't realize that you're shaking it and you're in a group so you can't pinpoint, you know, if it's you or if it's your neighbor to your left or your right, right. or maybe the person sitting across from you, right? Right. So it's very convincing. And he explains that it can generate a very strong impression that the movement is being caused by some outside agency, but it's not. Other devices such as dowsing rods work on the same principle of non-conscious movement. So the thing with all of these mechanisms, like dowsing rods, Ouija boards, these tables, are that they move the tiny muscles like it's just a small muscular yeah. movement but it can cause this huge swing in a dowsing rod that you right. don't even realize that you accidentally gripped it a little bit tighter but it's going to make that wide swinging arch or your planchette's going to move across the board and yeah. the planchettes in particular are actually really well suited for this task because they're made of a lightweight wooden material yeah. and they have little casters on them that'll help them move across the plastic or the you know cardboard yeah. or whatever it's made out of and it's just going to kind of move along really it's easily. It's going to move quickly and simply. Mm -hmm. There's no resistance. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not only does the individual group come up with this conscious control to participate. Like we mm -hmm. also, we're all going to sit down. We're all going to do the seance together. Um, right. And no one person can take credit for the planchette's movements, yeah. making it seem like the answers must be coming from an otherworldly source. You know, your grandmother that you're trying to contact her you know, whoever. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. And once that idea, right. So we all, we all have this idea that the, the Ouija board is this mystical, mysterious, powerful thing. And once you have that idea in your head, there's like a readiness yeah. that it's something's going to happen. You're, you're going to have an down. experience. Yeah. And then yep, you, gonna... then you do it subconsciously. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. I know. Okay. Um, so Burst in, in bubbles. Cult- I know. I'm sorry. I'm the, the party pooper. <laughs> Seance pooper. Seance so in, pooper. <laughs> so in uh, 1986, there was a movie called The Witchboard, which centered on using a Ouija board. What by Lies Beneath, with my absolute favorite Michelle Pfeiffer, includes a scene with a seance mm-hmm. uh, using a Ouija board. Um, in more kind of more modern, I think What Lies Beneath came out in 2000. Um, uh, paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. It came out in 2007. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so long ago. They have that <laughs> scene in the movie when the Ouija board lights on fire. Yeah. Um, 2012, a movie called I am Zozo, which again, I'm sure I'll probably do an episode on Zozo. Uh-uh. Um, yes. It's a demon uh-uh. that is been associated with Ouija boards. So, you no. know, I mean, it's still alive. It's still really, common popular thing Ugh. i mean you can go to your like walmart and buy a ouija board for, i know you know 20 bucks but now i'm like okay this was cocktails and seances on saturdays like this was an event yeah. you had parties mm-hmm. every saturday and this was an yeah. activity that happened and it was it wasn't a satanic it wasn't no. a demonic it was everybody just, did it we're gonna come over and have some freaking charcuterie boards and cocktails and do a little planchette talking board work yeah Yeah. it was just fun it was like a good saturday night like so much with your girlfriends right because if you i think if you approach it that way too Mm -hmm. because but like anytime i approached it growing up it was scary because everybody told you that it was bad it yeah. had a negative evil connotation with it i mean i grew up with the same thing that you do not play with those yeah that's a big that's so funny you're opening hollywood the door the to the devil hollywood's the only reason it was a parlor game it's not satanic it's not demonic it is a piece, like, yeah, we'll it's a piece of cardboard it. with letters printed on it with a little plastic planchette <laughs> with the yeah it's not satanic it's and i'm sorry if you if you and i'm not trying to dissuade anybody from using it for your own no. purposes please do what you'd like. <laughs> I just I'm never just telling heard you the this version of it. And I, the history it that so I know that I was that the internet told me. So maybe the internet's full of shit. I'm just telling you. The internet right can't be possessed by the devil, Haley. It doesn't no, know. It, it can't be. This it's this is what the history of the Ouija board is. <laughs> so if you want to have a little Ouija board session with me when I come and visit you, we can do it. Well now I'm like, all right. It's, it's just not our involuntary scary, muscle twitches. Right? It's just our involuntary muscle twitches. It's not anything s- scary or satanic. We're still lighting a couple candles, though. Just sure. for safety. That's fine. Safety. Yeah, for fun. Be safe. Just be safe. Just be a little. <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> but that's what I got. That's what I have for you on Ouija boards. That's amazing. I love kind it. Kind of a fun Thank history. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. I, thought, I literally I thought it was going to be like, you know, used by witchcraft through all the ages and mm-hmm. you know 
of nope. course, in the wrong hands, it would be dictated. And like, of course, it's always been a portal. It's like, no, it was literally 1973. The exorcist. Yep. America that was like, mm-hmm. how do we make money off these people yeah. who have a group of guys every Saturday? A group of guys was like, how can we make money? Because <laughs> knocking on wood takes too long and it's really boring. So let's take this idea that somebody else came up with and let's capitalize on it. Yeah. And yep. name it something crazy. So it and name it something extra. crazy. So it sounds extra exotic, extra foreign, extra dangerous, yeah. extra fun. And so it was developed in the US. Right? It was developed in the US. Yeah. Yep. I feel like it's just a private game for history. Yeah. Nope. No. It's very it's vanilla capital created America. by a group of dudes. <laughs> yep. That's the best tur- that's the best <laughs> twist you've ever yeah. given me. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry if I burst anybody's bubble, but I'm I mean, so I'm, happy I, that my course, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, like, use that at your own risk. I will. We will not be held responsible for anything that happens. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. You no. use them at your own desire, your own whatever. But that's that's what I got. That's what I got. That's for you. amazing. <laughs> Okay, my one story I will share. Oh yeah, tell with us. The Ouija board is I we got I my friends had one because mm-hmm. I don't think I ever really asked for one, and mm. I know my mom would not have purchased one, but I don't. And I but I but my dad's also kind have of asked like for one. I don't know that. No, I I was like, ooh, I loved watching Ghost Hunters in middle school. That oh, was my sure. like after school activity. So yeah, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So my friend had one, so we played it in my closet. Mm-hmm. And we lit a candle. We were, like, doing it properly or whatever. And <laughs> it was, like, you know, fine. And then we turned off all the lights. It was so silly. And then it was just kind of goofy and yeah, spooky. Mm-hmm. Right? But then this is still the same house where I kind of have that <laughs> icky feeling. So well, maybe that just saw what you were doing and was like, oh, I can capitalize on this because I know that they think it's scary. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, did that Ouija board activity trigger that icky no. feeling in that house? Or no, was that icky feeling there? The already? icky feeling was there. Right. So it's that like icky feeling was older than yeah. you or me or your parents or that yeah. thing was old. I don't know what Blah. that was. Mm, yuck. Blah. But it was old. Yeah, Yucky. not good. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> that's that's my association with it. But now I'm like, <laughs> and I'm not. I mean, again, I'm not trying to downplay anybody else's experience. This is just the history. I mean, yeah. if you have an experience that was spooky or you know life changing, it or also whatever, might that have been is your mind telling you what you what you needed to hear. Or what you were afraid to hear. What you were afraid to hear, right? Also, because maybe, yes. If call you go into something, if you like, because now I'm like, okay, if somebody was having a parlor party Friday or Saturday night and this was mm-hmm. just a common activity and we all just like giggle and laugh and it was like mash, right? right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, yeah, you would just be like, who am I going to marry? And like, it would be just a positive experience yeah. all around because that's how you go into it. Right. And probably also, yeah. I, I would think also, though, that, you know, during that time, people unfortunately were trying to swindle other people out of money using these yeah. experiences because they'd pay for it and they would be trying to – Sarah Winchester, you know, if she yeah. actually met that medium and was like, hey, I have a message for you from your husband. Yeah. That kind of deal. 
build this house and don't stop building it. Waste all of your money. Exactly. Waste all of your money because my whoever was killed by the rifle that your husband created. And now this is my way to get back at you. Yeah. Or my way to make money off of you. Yeah. It could go both ways. There you go. There you go. That's amazing. What I'm a glad fun you enjoyed episode. it. This is a good one. That's a good one. Not episode 19, though. That's coming someday. Someday You'll get we'll it find it. Get it. We'll find it. <laughs> someday. Someday. Um, thanks for listening in today, you guys. We appreciate you stopping by and enjoying maybe a cup of coffee or a cocktail with us and listening to our Valentine's Day special, <laughs> heart-shaped Valentine and Valentine standards that you can never meet. Basically, you know, basically <laughs> that's that's our theme for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can see all of our show information, um, information on episodes, anything we say we're going to share in pictures. I'm sure this week we have a Ouija board out there for you. So if you've never seen a Ouija board, it's there for you to gander at. Check it out. Uh, make sure you follow us and um, tag us in anything like if you post on your stories about us or if you post us on Twitter or Facebook, make sure you tag us just so it we can get a little bit more visibility, but we can also see who's listening and say hi. Yeah, and give you a shout out. Hey, thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah. At the end of the month, we always do a mistakes ep- episode. So if we got anything wrong in this episode or any of our past episodes, send us an email at morethanmisspodcast at gmail.com and let us know what we got wrong and we will make sure we get it right. Yeah, we will. Uh, any listening platforms that you use, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, if you could just follow and subscribe, if you have a couple minutes, just leave us a review. Um, just gives us more visibility, gets us out there so we can collect all of the curious friends. Every we all of them. Of we want to hoard them like dragons. Yes, our treasure of curious friends. Treasure of curious friends. Yeah, and remember, if you love us, to tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your mom. Tell your crazy aunt Stacy. Maybe she's not crazy. Tell your tell your great aunt Stacy. Yeah, about us. Do it. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.